session with Dr. Farid Holakwi. Good afternoon. Welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Tolakwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Studio number 310-441-0555. Uh, I'll be doing the books today because on Monday's show, I was very happy to be joined by human rights lawyer Gisu Nia, and she was sharing uh, her insights on what's happening in Iran and some of the legal aspects. And also, for me, learned some things about sanctions and how targeted sanctions might be more effective and appropriate given what's going on. But it was very nice to have her on to share her uh, legal and Uh, experience and expertise on what's going on there. So getting to the books of the week, and there's a pretty big contrast when you look at the titles of the book from that I'll talk about today and the book that I'll talk about next week. So for next week, I, I wanted to read something that could help inform me about what's going on in Iran. Of course, the history and all those things are very important, but also looking at social movements and revolutions. And so I came across a book that came out earlier this year called On Revolutions, Unruly Politics in the Contemporary World, written by six social scientists who have researched social movements and uprisings and revolutions and trying to look at what are some of the common characteristics that leads to revolution and, of course, what does not. So I thought this could help inform me and look forward to reading it and then sharing it with you next week to help better understand what's going on. So the authors of the book are Colin J. Beck, Mlada Bukovansky, Erica Chenoweth, George Lawson, Sharon Erickson-Nepstad, and Daniel P. Ritter. And the title of the book is On Revolutions. Um, I haven't even received it yet, so hopefully I'll have it tomorrow so that I can um, have it done by next week. Uh, As I said, the title of that book on revolutions can sound very different from the book of the week from last week that I'm talking about today, which is How to Do Nothing, Resisting the Attention Economy by Jenny O'Dell. So How to Do Nothing can sound very different from um, on revolutions. And I actually got some comments. I could see that the title of the book with everything going on in Iran and how it's so much about doing something Um, Of course, the people in Iran are doing so much, but what can we do outside of Iran? Someone actually commented, and I got a message that the book seemed like not the right title for right now. Um, And I can understand that how to do nothing does not seem like an option. Now, I should say, uh, Jenny O'Dell, the author's book, this title, How to Do Nothing, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, not like literally do nothing, but the subtitle, Resisting the Attention Economy, um, it's talking about how to quote-unquote do nothing when we look at it from a uh, productive, capitalistic attention economy perspective. So if we think of doing something as scrolling on your phone and just looking over Instagram for the 10th time that day, if that's considered doing something, then doing nothing is actually a good thing to do in an act of resistance. So um, it's not really about doing nothing. It's actually the way I saw it is about being more 
engaged with yourself and your life and your surroundings. So it's actually a way to do much more. Because when we consider what most of us do, and myself included, um, every day, it includes a lot of actual nothing, of just scrolling things or reading things or looking over things that really don't add any value to our days or our experience, but we feel like we're, we're stuck in this loop and we keep doing it over and over again um, rather than doing things that might matter more. Now, I say that uh, about social media right now. Uh, I think it's very important for all of us who are trying to stay informed but also share information about what's going on in Iran to stay connected uh, to social media, through social media, and sharing and posting, and I'll be talking more about that later. And uh, Jenny O'Dell in this book doesn't at all give the notion that something like social media is all bad, but that we want to be aware of how we're using it and we engage with it. Uh, so right now, my relationship to social media these past few weeks has been very different. I'm on it even more than before, but it does feel like it's valuable and engaging in a way that I think is actually good. But coming back to to the book, um, this concept that what does it mean to do something and do nothing? And I feel like I fall into this trap sometimes myself of thinking of being productive in this capitalistic way of being good. And then even when you are, let's say, relaxing, that that's doing nothing. And even when we talk to one another, I see this especially in, in the United States, when people say, how are you doing? What's going on? A very common answer and one that's expected and in some ways looked positively upon is say, oh, I've been so busy. So busy, things have been crazy, so busy. That's a very common thing that people say because we think that's good to say you were busy. But what I think is funny is like usually we say that, so busy, but we probably were binge watching some show that past weekend or we checked our phone a hundred times that same day that we were said we were so busy and went on Instagram or Twitter 20, 30 times. Um, but we keep talking about how busy we are. And in a way that keeps us busy to those things, but there's this way we want to make sure other people see us as productive because that's how we're supposed to be. And so uh, I, I liked in this book how Jenny O'Dell was talking about how we can focus on things in a different way. So, so let me give you an example. If a husband and wife are home at night, and if we think of what's productive for the economy, if they both look on their phones and start scrolling around, that's productive. That's technically good. If they put their phones away and have a deep, meaningful conversation with one another, that would not be productive for the economy, especially the attention economy. And so what we see is that there can be good things about free markets and capitalism. So I'm not here to say it's all bad, but I definitely think there's a lot bad and not right with it because it does promote and makes important things that are not good for our individual well-being, for our relationships and our overall well-being as societies. When the focus is just on what's productive from an economic standpoint. If people buy cigarettes and then go to the hospital, that in a way is productive for the economy. Maybe what they'll look at is like, well, when people get sick, they can't work. So that's not good for the economy. So again, we see everything comes down to the, the money of it or the financial and economic productivity rather than looking at life as uh, what, what should we be doing in life or should the economy be serving us or are we serving the economy? And I think when you have a very capitalistic mindset and framework, 
it becomes people serving the economy rather than creating an economic system that serves people, serves individuals, serves families, and serves our overall well-being. We're always going to be pushed towards unhealthy things when you make it just about uh, making money. And that's what we see with things like social media uh, that she talks about in the book. Um, what gets attention online is not necessarily good things. Good things as in having values, uh, thoughts that are well thought out, or things that are balanced and look at both sides of things. The more extreme you are in what you say, the more attention grabbing it is, the more it creates conflict. These are all things that get more attention and then get more likes and shares and then become promoted and are more likely to be in people's news feeds or feeds and then all of a sudden those things get reinforced. So I think unfortunately we do see that in some ways we're more connected through social media and it can have that positive impact even what we're seeing with Iran is a great example of that. It's enabling so much more communication, sharing of information, staying in contact which are really really important. But in a general sense, it also has these effects of making us more disconnected, that we just look at certain things that have nothing to do with us, that we are disconnected from ourselves, from the people around us, and those things that are very, very unhealthy for us. So I think what the points she's bringing up of living this more connected to yourself and your surroundings and the people around you type of a life is very important. We spend a lot of our time, if we think about it, very disconnected. And that's something I've always thought of when we look at our phones or social media, to look at how much connection or disconnection is it creating in my life. If you think of how you used your phone today, did it help you stay more connected to loved ones in genuine ways or people around you and more connected to yourself? That's something that I think is important to ask because often what I notice is we use our phones as a way to distract ourselves from things rather than we're doing something even productive in the human sense, something that's good for us. So we go to our phone because we might be bored or we might be feeling something and we call it boredom, like we're anxious or we're sad or we are lonely. And so we go to our phone and it doesn't actually create connection. It's creating disconnection from ourselves. Or I've worked with couples and almost every couple, this issue does come up at some point in some way of being on their phones too much or how they're using their phones and how it's creating disconnection between the two people in that relationship. So I, I also don't like to look at things as all good or all bad. It's you know easy to say, oh, phones are the worst thing that happened to us or social media is the worst thing. But looking at it in a more balanced, nuanced way of, okay, what parts of it are good and what parts of it are bad? That might be more general. And then we can also look at my own use of something how is it good and bad? What are the good aspects, the bad aspects? And how can I change that balance to make it more towards the good and getting rid of the bad parts of it? Because they want your eyeball on the screen, not because they think it's good for you, but because that's how they make money. And uh, if there is nothing you're buying when you're using a product, you are the product. So our attention is the product. The longer your eyeballs are on the screen, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever the site is or the app is, they're happy not because they think it's good for you and they're not really even thinking about that of course they'll put out messages saying that they do and they want to promote this and they're all about that but really what they're looking for is how do i keep you online and on the page longer and if they do that they make more money so it's up to us to look at that 
and there are things we can do to try to promote legal changes and things that change the ways these companies work does happen and is important and that happens uh, on a structural level but also ourselves looking at our lives how am i using these things to either make my life better or worse um she also had some interesting perspectives on the ways we think of productivity for example if we show you video of um land that is let's say quote unquote nothing is on it there's let's say just uh you know wildlife or grass and things and it's changed to some building some mall and we think of that as productive oh they created these buildings but uh, she pointed out that what we also can consider is that in the creation of something there's always the destruction of something too so as much as we're saying there was just grass here and now we turn into this like building and people are coming here and shopping and all this fun stuff happens here well they had to destroy the plants and the ecosystem and even maybe kill some animals and bugs and different things to create that and so recognizing this perspective of a more holistic context that when things are being done to something if we have a certain paradigm we might think of it as productive because it fits our narrative but is that really what's going on and also that maintenance is not something that's considered productive in a way like taking care of plants taking care of a garden and sometimes we don't think of it as producing something even let's say it's not producing flowers that we sell or fruits or vegetables that we eat but maintenance itself has lots of value but sometimes that can be undervalued in something like a capitalistic mindset or just care in general is undermined and undervalued things like raising children is often we try to put an economic number to it but the basic economic capitalistic framework won't put a number on that or have value for that so you know this title how to do nothing i think it's actually much more about how to do something about how you're living your life and how you're approaching the ways you use things like uh, social media and technology how to be more connected to yourself and live a more connected life and also to be more connected to those around you which to me and through most research looking at happiness and well-being what makes us happiest and feel the best in our lives is the quality of the relationships that we have and the more we're disconnected from ourselves and others the lower that quality is and the more we make a conscious effort to turn towards others and focus our energy there focus our attention on those things uh, we can improve our own well-being through that so that was how to do nothing resisting the attention economy by Jenny Odell let's go to a commercial break we'll be right back Welcome back studio number 3104410555. I know on the hearts and minds of all Iranians around the world is the situation in Iran and um I know today right now it's approaching midnight in Tehran but during the day and night there have been protests all around Iran in so many different cities the the crackdown in certain areas has gotten worse and so I know a lot of people are are very occupied with that and everyone i talk to uh, including clients but uh, it's just something that's so much on their mind it's hard to think about other things and life can also feel uh, on pause and i mentioned at the the top of the show that I, i'm reading a, or i will be reading a book on revolutions because i want to inform myself more about what's happening what's going on what we can learn from the past to understand the current situation but what i've also read is that these types of things although we see so much happening 
they tend to be a marathon more than a sprint, meaning that they take time. That, of course, we want to see change, we want to see it happen immediately, uh, but it usually does take some time for um, an uprising to turn into a movement, to turn into a revolution. And so what I've heard from commentators who know much more about these subjects is that what we're seeing now in Iran has, has changed from an uprising to a movement. And when you have a movement, it can go towards a few things, of course, it can end, but also in, in the, the two outcomes that can come about is reform or revolution. And in this case, reform does not seem like it's on the table, that um, the people of Iran, of course, people outside also want revolution, but the people in Iran who are the most important because they have to live through it day to day, they want a revolution. They don't want a reform. They don't want to sit down with the government to make changes. They want to completely change the government, the whole structure and everything about it. So it seems like reform is not an option anymore and revolution is the, the only option that is there that can happen. And so that being said, even if it's what the people want, um, it, it still will take some time. And so because of that, I think it's important for us who are outside of Iran to make sure we recognize that this will likely be a marathon. And because of that, we have to be consistent with our effort and continue. And even when I say effort, um, a great motivation is to consider what people in Iran are experiencing and how uh, they literally are risking their lives for what they're doing. And so anything we do pales in comparison to that. Uh, but to make sure we keep our efforts consistent. And so that can be our motivation. But even still, with good motivation, good intentions, even if you want something so bad, there are still limits to what we do. By that, I mean we have to be aware that we don't experience something like a compassion fatigue, or I've seen someone write Iran fatigue, that that can set in, that we're talking about it every day, we're watching videos, we're sharing. What we don't want to see happen is that people get tired or they don't think it's going to make a difference, and so we stop doing those things. So it's up to each of us individually and then collectively to make sure we keep up that consistency because it won't be easy. Even right now, it's been going into, I think, the fourth week of protests. And I can feel it myself. There's this sense that I'm not as calm as usual, like a, a bit of a state of uh, stress, kind of like if you think of a fight or flight, I can feel a bit more activated in, in a way. And I'm sure many people can relate to that as well. And so I don't want to focus on you know, those of us outside of Iran and how difficult that is, because, of course, we have it nothing like what the people of Iran are experiencing. But I do think it's important for us to take care of ourselves in the way that we can keep helping our brothers and sisters in Iran. Because if you want to even take care of your child, you have to make sure you're okay to keep taking care of them. In a similar way, I want us to be aware of what we're doing and how we are, are staying active, but then making sure we are okay at the same time. Because as I was saying, it can feel like life is paused with everything happening there, but we, we still have to take care of ourselves physically, mentally, emotionally, um, you know, logistics of life and things that we have to do as far as work and finances and all that stuff that we have to make sure we take care of as well. We can't lose sight of those things, especially when we consider this is not something that we were quickly going to take a break from life and this is going to get resolved and then we go back to it. So I do want us to focus on that. And related to that, I wanted to talk about a, a distinction that can be part of 
how we our mindset or the paradigm we take into this situation of results versus responsibility and how our focus can be more on one or the other and how that might impact what we do and how long we keep doing it. So looking at results, of course, we do anything we do. And in this case, when we're sharing and doing whatever we can, contacting politicians, spreading awareness, spreading the word of what's going on, we are hoping for a result, which is in this case, revolution. We want to see things change in Iran. So of course, that's our intention. Now, that makes sense, but we have to be careful not to get caught up in seeing the results immediately or that if we're not seeing results to give up. And that's where I think the overemphasis on results and seeing the results can get us in trouble. Or if we think of the result of a single action, it very often will lead to us not taking that action because because each single action doesn't have that much of an impact. One tweet is not going to change this, even from someone famous, but let alone from any of us who might just be sending something out into social media. One tweet isn't going to change everything. Uh, or even I went to some protests this weekend, and I did actually have this thought, looking at all the people there, several thousands of people there, and each of them chanting things, saying things, holding signs. And so really we can look at this collective effort of just one protest. We can break it down to probably a million different things, millions of things that people did when consider each step people took, each thing they said, holding their signs, whatever they even put on to, you know, to dress in a certain way to, to promote things. So many things went into that, and together it became something, and even that is not going to change the whole thing, but had an impact. But if each one of those things was dissected, someone would say, well, what's the point? And so people, I hear them saying that, well, what's the point if I show up to the protest? And one person at a protest does not change the protest, but if a million people show up to a protest, it does. And so we have to be aware that the result won't come from our individual steps and to see, does this make a difference or not in and of itself? Because usually the answer is alone, no, it won't make a difference. But looking at the collective result, which will show up over time. So this is a process, not something that just happens quickly. And when we have process results, they're usually slow. You often don't see them, and they often happen in leaps and bounds, meaning that sometimes you won't see anything happen, then all of a sudden you'll see a big change. It won't be linear progress. It'll be something progressive over time that all of a sudden you'll notice things change or some big change takes place. So I think we have to be careful not to get so fixated on the results and the immediate results, because that's going to make us want to give up. It's even like if you start exercising. One workout even won't change much but the collection of the workouts can make a difference over time. And so if you look at, will it make a difference if I work out today? Really not that much one workout, but it's all of that together. So think one of not just the immediate result, think of the collective results that we're having together and be aware that the results often are not seen uh, very soon and quickly, especially in something so large scale like this. And so I think what can be more important is for us to shift the focus to our responsibility and each of us as individuals. So rather than thinking, does this thing make a difference? Can I know it's going to make a difference? I think a better perspective is to look at the responsibility that me as an individual, am I meeting my responsibility and my duty in doing what I can here? I don't even know if it's going to make a difference, but can I look at what I'm doing 
and feel that I'm meeting that responsibility as much as I can. So we all have a, a cup that we can consider we can fill up as much as we can. So I have my cup of responsibility. How much of that am I going to fill? Am I going to do everything I can so that when I look back, I can reflect to think I did the most that I could. Maybe it had little impact. I don't know even what impact it has, but I want to feel that I don't have regret about not meeting that responsibility. So again, our feelings in this is much less important than what's going on to the people in Iran. But if we consider our support, and when I think of what people are doing and to keep that effort going, I think it'll be important for us to be aware of the mindsets we bring into what's going on. Because if you think, well, I posted for a week and nothing happened, then you're going to stop. But if you think, well, I posted for a week and I think that was good, even how can I do it better? Um, and that felt like I met my responsibility, then you can feel good about that to keep you fueled and going forward rather than thinking, well, I didn't see a result. Because that's what I hear some people saying, well, I keep posting stuff, but who cares? What difference does it make? And again, each post, almost no impact, very little. Collectively, a whole lot. Just like what's happening in Iran, one person can't be a revolution. It's all the people coming together that makes that happen. So if we want to be part of that, imagine there's going to be some future time you can look back on this. I want you to feel good about what you've done when it comes to this, that you did what you could that you met your responsibility to the fullest. And this really applies to most areas of life. If you're a parent, you literally will do like a million things, millions of things for your kids. If you consider everything you break down into moments and seconds and, and all of that for your child, each one of them won't really have an impact. But overall, that's what makes a good parent and a good childhood for your children is that you give them that. So if we look at individual results, we very easily can get discouraged. Or if we look at the individual result or impact of a single action, you likely won't do it because you get discouraged. And we go into our immediate gratification and thinking in a short-term way that we think there's no point in going forward with this. But if we do consider our responsibility, that can lead to a very, very different mindset. And so what we do see happening is people posting and people sharing things does have an impact. So people are constantly, I see, tweeting, posting on their stories, on Instagram, on Facebook, what's going on in Iran, sharing with one another. And it's been amazing seeing how quickly information spreads within the community where I'll see someone post something that is pretty interesting. And then within minutes or hours, I'll definitely see like 20, 50, 100 more people post that same thing. And so, yes, it can be repetitive. It can be redundant. But those things keep it in the public eye. Because we also have to keep in mind that, of course, for us Iranians, this seems like the only thing that matters in the world. But for non-Iranians, it's not that way. Just like if we're going to be real with ourselves, there currently are other humanitarian crises happening in the world. And in the past, there have been, and maybe you've seen someone post about it, but you didn't have the same feeling about, oh, there's something happening in this country or in this region of the world. You might be like, oh, that's not good. But it wasn't necessarily something that you focused on or then you tweeted about or posted on Instagram or you said something about or even that you informed yourself about. So we do have to be aware of that 
difference that when we're so in something, it seems like how can anyone be thinking or talking about anything else? But we have to remember that that's because we are in it so much and it's so important to us and it's different for other people. They won't have that same experience. So we do have to be consistent and keep reminding them, letting them know what's going on, sharing different aspects of what's going on. Because as much as we'd like to think we're just purely acting in rational ways and if something is unjust, we respond, we know that images and certain stories or certain aspects of a story might tug on someone's heartstrings in a way that makes them get involved. That's just the way it is. And that's also why art can be so important in these kinds of movements. Even me right now talking as long as I am about these issues, I hope it's helpful in some ways to anyone who listens. But I know that one song or one um, you know, piece of art that someone puts up or one image, a painting or a drawing that someone does can have such a bigger impact because it penetrates deeper to those feelings and connects in a deeper way that then might connect to the viewer and they might feel more likely to want to get involved. You know, that song uh, Baroyeb that Shervin has made that actually um, it's one of the last days you can submit a vote for it for the Grammy. So if you can go online do a little bit of research. It's not very difficult, but you can vote for it so that it might be uh, winning the um, Grammy, that it's a new category for songs for social change. And for what I've seen, it's gotten a lot of the votes and each vote does matter. They're, they count the votes and I don't know exactly how they tabulate it, but it does have an impact. So please go ahead and do that. But we see that art has such a uh, way of connecting people and people sharing those things that might connect to someone who's not related uh, to the Iranian community anyway that say wow that's that's powerful that's intense and then they might reshare or post or get involved in some way because they're going to need our attention especially because their internet access is limited in Iran and they have certain um, aspects that make it harder for them to share what's going on. We have to be their voice and continue to be their voice, meaning that we have to stay consistent. I would recommend post every few hours. Make sure you don't go too long without posting something. It's very easy for media cycles to be on something. We see it all the time. It's the, the flavor of the week or the month. It's so important. Everyone's talking about it and they totally forget about it. And we can't let that happen in this case. And the only way we can make that not happen is to be consistent and to make sure we don't give up and we don't stop posting and talking about it. And also recognize that the way we look at things can have a huge impact on this. And as I said, let's focus on our individual responsibility. I want to make sure I do my part, not am I sure this thing I'm doing has an impact and a result? Am I being responsible? Am I meeting my duty to my brothers and sisters in Iran to help them the most that I can? All right, let's go to another commercial break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You know, in the previous segment, I was talking about how we want to keep our efforts going, staying consistent, making sure we recognize that this likely will take some time. Um, and as I talk to people, there is this feeling that this time is different, that something can change, something can happen. And I think that is true. And from people I've talked to that are much more informed about the past and what's happening, even having the guest on Monday Night Show, Gisunia, who has followed these uprisings and has more information of what's going on definitely there is a sense it doesn't just feel different things are different this time but again different doesn't mean a change will happen quickly it will take time and we want to stay motivated ourselves another way that i think we can either keep the momentum the energy 
and the motivation going or what might interfere with that is how unified we are in our goal or in supporting the brothers and sisters in Iran who are going through this and trying to create this change. Because I think something many people have experienced uh, in these few weeks is there's such a unity amongst the Iranian community that we all have this common goal, that we're all coming together, even if we have different backgrounds within the Iranian community, from different religious backgrounds to different areas or regions of Iran that people might be from, to even different levels of acculturation, how long they've been out of Iran or they lived in Iran or maybe never lived in Iran. I think something that's been very beautiful to witness is the coming together. Even going to protests, you see such a range of individuals, a range of age, uh, a range of, of course, you might not ask about um, religion, but there you can assume various religious backgrounds, various acculturation backgrounds, various, uh, of course, men, women, children, all different people coming together for one common goal of supporting the people of Iran to spread awareness, to be their voice. And, and I think that's beautiful. Even... You know, myself, of course, my Persian is not very good. And um, even when there's somebody talking in, in Persian, I'll, I'll usually understand it. But even some of the chants, I'm trying to make sure I understand what is being said when there are certain slang or sayings that are being used within them. But I've seen this very interesting dynamic where you see a range of language abilities as well. So I've heard people who are much more Iranian probably saying chants in English, and you can feel that, that it's a little bit has a, a Persian twist to it, and vice versa, a more Americanized Iranians saying the chants, and it has a little bit of a uh, American accent to, to the same chants, the words in Persian. But, so, but to me, it, it kind of could be humorous or sweet, but it also is a indication that so many people of diverse backgrounds are coming together. I think that's wonderful, and we, we need that. I think, unfortunately, my own experience of the Iranian community, as beautiful and as connected we can often feel, is that we can often create lots of divisions within ourselves. That, oh, you're from this region, or you're from the city, or from the village, or from the this, or this religion, or that, that thing. Um, our culture is very much founded on hierarchies, and status is very, very important. It always has value, but some cultures value status even more. So you do see this tendency to put ourselves above and put others below us to show that we have more value or we should get more uh, status and station in life and because of that opportunities. And so we, we've seen that a lot, but I think what I've thankfully seen is that those things have melted away as we've come together and realized um, we are one and we all want one thing. And so we can come together towards that common goal. But my concern can be, and I've even seen some, you know, you see inklings of it, is that we can become disunified over time, or we might lose that unity, especially over time as things are going forward. And so I really want to promote this message of unity because, as is the case, of course, even more for the people in Iran who are trying to create a revolution, we need to stay unified to have a greater impact. It's like the fingers of a hand. If you uh, spread them apart, they're not very strong, but if they come together as a fist, they can make a much bigger impact. And so uh, the people of Iran, I hope they can keep that unity. It can be difficult when things don't have a set structure, which they can't really have when you have a group of people coming together in this way, but sometimes they find a structure within that. But for those of us outside of Iran, I think it's so important that we be mindful of this. 
I've seen some people, for example, posting, oh, the way this person is supporting is not good. Or the way this person's messages are seem fake or I don't like them or they emphasize this part and you should only emphasize that part. Um, or, you know, why did they wait so long to say anything? I've seen that recently. You know, Oprah and the Obamas put messages up and it has nothing to do with if you like these people in general or not or if you voted for them, if they're politicians or not. But in my opinion, we want to keep the unity meaning that when people put out a message, rather than telling them why did it take you so long and being insulting, thank them and appreciate them and tell them more about how bad things are for the people of Iran rather than punishing them that they took so long. You know, yes, they they could have responded, should have responded sooner. We, of course, don't know the circumstances of each individual and what goes on in their decision making or what they have to do. But I really think it's important that we don't detract and take away by creating infighting, by creating, uh, you know, people that are on our side, insulting them or punishing them. That's going to only get in the way of the ultimate goal, which is supporting the people of Iran, keeping the message out there, keeping it unified and together. And if we insult someone, they, they're like, okay, well, why? I don't want to support this cause. Or they're less likely to if they get a lot of negative backlash. I, I released a statement about Iran and everyone, um, you know, yelled at me and sent me bad messages or I got so many of those. They might be less likely to put another message out there. So I would highly encourage us to be supportive of people when they share their support and not insult them that it took too long or it wasn't in the right way. And then even amongst Iranians themselves to be mindful of not insulting people that, oh, you know, that message, it seemed like I didn't like it. You know, whenever things happen on social media, of course, people have a variety of intentions. Sometimes it's for their own attention. Sometimes it's for virtue signaling. Look how good of a person I am. Sometimes it's because they think it's popular and trendy. So they think if they put something out there, it might get a lot of likes. And so there could be a lot of people that are doing things with those intentions. And there could be people that have good motives of, I just want to help, I want to support, it's injustice, and I want to spread the word so it gets the international community's attention. And the truth is, it's everywhere in between, and usually it's a little bit of all of those things, at least at some level. Whoever you are and you're posting something, of course, you do pay attention to the kind of likes or response it's going to get. Even if it's about something that's helping other people, that's still going to be there. But what I really don't want to see happen is that we start fighting amongst ourselves about your support is not the right kind of support or you're not saying it the right way that will take away from the ultimate goal. So really, you might think, oh, I'm saying this to help the movement and to help the people of Iran, but likely it will just take away from the force of support that they have. It's like we're trying to hold them up as much as we can, and then you're knocking someone's arm down saying, well, your form isn't right or you're not doing it the right way. We want to keep all the support we can moving towards the people of Iran in whatever ways that it's being shown and not think that we need to insult someone on top of how do we even know we're right that this is the right way or the wrong way. No one knows exactly what needs to happen in this situation. It's so complex. There's so many moving parts and nobody knows what's the exact way that you should either tweet or talk about or retweet or post something or the language you should use. So we want to also have that level of humility that, yes, we might have opinions or things might come up, but we can't claim to know 
this is the exact way everything should be. And if they don't do this, it's not going to help. And if they do it my way, it's going to help. And I feel some of that when people talk to, no, no, this is the way it has to go. This is going to lead to the revolution. If you do it this way, it's not going to work. To me, the unity is going to be really important. And then related to that, what often happens in these kinds of situations is, of course, we're hopeful of a revolution, but then people start thinking of what happens after the revolution and who's going to be in power and what's going to happen there. And I think here we also can, if we focus too much on that, yes, you have to be aware of it, that what's going to happen afterwards. Uh, if we look at just what happened with this revolution, people were unhappy. The revolution happened and they were even less happy with what was, was going on, the, the government that replaced the previous government. So it's understandable we have to be aware of a power vacuum and what that context is and the situation it creates. But what my concern is I already see some factions of, oh, it should look this way or the new Iran has to be that way that can actually take away from the main goal, which is this regime has to be taken away first. And we want to stay united. And what they want, the regime wants more than anything, is for us to start fighting amongst ourselves of, oh, no, this is the wrong way. Or, no, these people are selfish and they're doing it this way. This person's not good. That person's not good because... If we are united, we will be victorious. But if we're divided, there's no way we'll be victorious. And the people of Iran will be victorious. So when you think of fighting with someone about what they're doing or putting them down or insulting them or criticizing someone in some way, always think of how is this either help or hurt supporting the people in Iran? And so you might think, well, I know what the person is doing wrong, so I have to tell them. But still think about, is it going to actually help? Am I going to actually get this person to change what they're doing anyway? Or am I just going to create more tension and dissension amongst our ranks, which will take away from the support that we're giving to the people of Iran? So unity is key. These types of things don't happen without extreme unity, a lot of unity coming together. There's a, an African proverb, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. If we want this to go far, we're going to have to go together. We're going to have to stay together. And it's going to be a long time. So for a few weeks, it could be easier to just everyone agree, okay, support, all of that. But if we know this extends to months of support months of us having to share messages, we have to anticipate that different divisions will start to come up, that different mindsets might even come up. As I was saying before, the Iranian community, especially the Iranian diaspora around the world, is a very diverse community that's going to have lots of different ideas, ideologies, ways of thinking about things. So we have to expect that we're not going to all see this exactly the same way. I think there is a common goal that we want to focus on, but of course we'll have different perspectives. So I invite all of us to go back to that common goal, supporting the people of Iran to create the revolution that they are seeking, that we are all seeking, but that they have to experience on a daily basis that system of government, that if that's our goal, we have to focus there. And related to that more than anything, what we want really is not very important compared to what the people of Iran want. We have to support them. We're amplifying their voice, not putting our voice into the conversation. We are their microphone. We are not adding our own song or lyric to it. We want to amplify their voice, which means they know what they want and need. They're the ones that are living there, and they're the ones that have the right to make the demands that they have and they want 
for themselves, not for any one of us to think, well, I want it to be this way, or I remember old Iran this way, or I want it to be this way if you know, I ever go back, or whatever it might be, that we want to make sure we're amplifying their voices more than anything. So I just wanted to stress that point that unity is going to be so key in what we're doing. Let's stay united. People are going to do things that you won't quite agree with. They'll do it in a way you won't agree with. They'll use words you might not agree with. They might have ideas you don't agree with. But if we can focus on the common goal of supporting the people of Iran to create the revolution they are seeking, then we can make that our focus rather than wasting our energy and even taking away each other's energy by infighting and try to tell you each other who's doing it right and who's doing it wrong. All right, let's go to another commercial break. Studio number 310-441-0555. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Studio number 310-441-0555. Let's go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Uh, am I on? You am are. I on? Yes, thanks for calling. Okay, hi. Thank you for your program. I have a, a personal suggestion. If it works, uh, I would appreciate it if people would take their time. It, it might be time-consuming, but, you know, a few minutes a day, uh, it, it is worth it. Personally, I have reached out to my friends and acquaintances, neighbors, whomever I have had any contact number from them. I don't have any social media. And I have provided a very brief text message. And uh, uh, in the beginning, I have said I appreciate it. Uh, I'm kindly pleased if you think it, it is possible, pass it to others. And if you would like me, uh, let me know to stop and not send you so that I wouldn't disturb them. Mm-hmm. And almost, um, I can tell you, uh, something uh, close to 300 people that I have sent messages over and over, over during this past month. Only one person uh, said stop and is still mm-hmm. thanking me for sharing the info. And everybody's um, feedback has been totally positive and they have thanked for sharing information. They said, oh, oh we didn't know, we didn't know about the history or what is going on and they have said they would pass it to others so any audio um, I mean I record from the clips because clips pass I mean it's, um, it takes more time to be passed I record the voices of the messages of non-Iranians mm. in English and those who are very efficient and I also include them so that if they hear it with you know, people that they know, and the voice is familiar for them, the language is familiar for them, uh, it, uh, it's more effective. Yeah. Well, let and me, if I could just, I, I do want to hear more about what you're doing, but I first want to commend you on that. I think that's great what you're doing. And, you know, I was talking in a previous segment about responsibility. And so it's for each of us to look at what we can do. And I think you're bringing up a really good point that, of course, on social media, let's say if people post things, some of the people they're connected to are likely not Iranian, but I think something that can happen in these cases is we're we're sharing this stuff with one another, which can, which can be good, so we stay informed. But of course, we want the general public, we don't want just Iranians to know about what's going on, we want the whole world to know what's going on. So I think it is important to put effort and energy into sharing the message with non-Iranians that we know. 
to to give them the information and then they might spread more awareness through that and kind of it creates of course a domino effect or a, a spreading effect in that way so that's really important that you're doing that and I think social media is great. You reach a lot of people and you can do a lot of things. And there's, you know, algorithms that keep things going that make it so if they enough people are doing certain hashtags, it has a, a certain momentum. But at the same time, and this actually relates to the book I talked about today, you know, having that one-on-one -on -one communication with someone is much exactly. more meaningful and impactful. Exactly. That one-on-one, -on -one, yeah. it, uh, it affects them more. They feel closer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really important. Yeah, touches yeah. them more, especially you know when if they have a daughter. Most of them have you know a daughter, or you know just to pitch point things that um, would um, you know attract their attention, would um, yeah. touch their heart. Yeah, I, yeah, and that's the thing is when we're you know you're spreading information. It, you know, the person you talk to might be important, but then they, yeah, they might talk to someone else who even has impacts them more, or they have more of an impact. So you're saying your friends, they might have uh, children who are online more, and they might research more and then post about it themselves. And so, again, it creates this type of uh, when things go viral. That's how it works: is that people share with one another, and then it certain it creates a a critical mass, and all of a sudden we see so many people are talking about it. So I, I appreciate you sharing what you've been doing. Uh, as okay. what you think you yeah. can help um, spread the word and keep people informed. I, I think that's wonderful that you're doing that in a respectful way. You're asking them if they're okay with it, but you're being consistent. And that's that's great. And I for, think for a lot of people, you know, they might think, well, I'm not good on social media. I don't even have social media. What can oh, I do? Actually, I'm good with social media. Okay. I mean, to be, but for personal reasons, yeah. I have uh, chosen to stay away. But I mean, other than that, what else I do? I mean, and, and at the parking lot, I talk to my, you know, I, a neighbor just passes by and say, hi, good morning. Mm -hmm. And uh, I let them know. I mean, I talk with them. It takes, and they, they are very good. They, uh, they are very positive, their feedback. I mean, I go to my doctor appointment, whatever. I mean, I called, I had a problem with my phone. I called the provider. And they are in India or in Philippines. I talked to them, and they listened, and they were very grateful for mm. getting the information. And uh, I have created, like personally, some jewelry, like earrings with the messages on them. They have been very attractive to people, and it signals them. To, you know, they come close to pay a compliment about them, and then I use the opportunity and talk to them. At the grocery store, on the street, anywhere I go, offices, mm -hmm. where I have something to do. And it's, you know, people appreciate it very much when they, you know, personally somebody talks with them and, you know, not demanding from them, but, yeah. you know, asking them kindly. And uh, so uh, it's been very effective. So at least, I mean, those whom I, uh, I am closer to, I update them every night, every day. Yeah. But uh, those who are like not that close, two, three times a week, I send them, you know, a batch of files, yeah. <laughs> images or whatever. And uh, everybody just, I mean, some people have called me, my, you know, Christian friends, uh, Americans, oh, you know, a group of our friends are at home. Is it okay? Would you like us to hold a group prayer over the phone and 
you know, pray for the people of Iran. So it brings tears to my eyes. I'm, I feel so grateful that they even tear their time and respond like that. Yeah, well, that's, you know, again, you're using different means, connecting in a more personal way. And yeah, you know, you might even be good at social media, but this is a different way. So I hope people keep this in mind that there's lots of ways that they can do their part in this and their when I talked about their responsibility and sometimes it involves thinking a little bit different or outside the box you're you know you're making jewelry doing different things but I hope everyone will do whatever they can and I appreciate you exactly. sharing what you've been trying and has been you've seen some effect with your friends and people that are close to you and for us not to forget that uh, just sharing it with other Iranians. Of course, we stay informed, we stay connected. But we want to make sure we're sharing with non-Iranians because we need international support and we need everyone to be behind Absolutely. this. So, yeah. And pre- preparing also flyers, mostly in English, or uh, even our slogans or chants when mm-hmm. we go on rallies and demonstrations, you know, um, make it in English because we want the people here to hear us. Uh, we know what's going on. Yeah. And Iranians over there, they are doing, in Iran, they are doing, you know, whatever they can be to get the ears. Sure. Well, I, th- I think both both is important. You know, when we're saying the same words, even in, in, in Persian, like they are there, I think has value, especially when they see the videos and they see things. So I think there's room for both. I think we do want to be aware of saying the yeah. messages in ways that uh, people in whatever country you're in will understand it. But I do think it makes sense in bringing people together and saying the Persian chants, saying the same things they're saying there as well. But yes, we want to be mindful of we're creating a message that we don't want to just be for Iranians because we want everyone's support. When we are protesting, we are in solidarity with the people of Iran, but we also want to make sure people in whatever area you are in understand the message so they might get behind it as well. So I appreciate the points that you brought up. I do appreciate you and whatever you are doing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Bye-bye. All right. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Yes, hi. Are you with me? Yes. Hi. Uh, Dr. Farid, um, uh, I want to, first of all, to thank you and, and Dr. Farhan Kolakui, your father, um, because you have been an incredible service for many, many years to uh, Persian, Iranian people and um, uh, any uh, country that speaks Farsi uh, or understands English. You both have been truly incredible, and we all love you very, very, very much. So uh, because of your popularity of yourself and your father, I wanted to ask you if you think it's possible, although uh, your program is in English, um, but I'm sure you could, uh, because you talk from heart, you, you, your action towards caring for people that call you or, or people that you're involved with is totally from heart. And of course, your education that is incredibly effective uh, for our, all of us. Um, and I wanted to find out if uh, you could, if you think it is an okay idea um, for you uh, to say one sentence that you could choose. Uh, I'm not saying right now, today, but you could think about it. Uh, One sentence that I'm sure will come from your heart 
to um, to these young people, and some of them are very young, apparently, and some are older, uh, with uh, Basij, Sepah, and military of Iran. As a brother, as a Persian brother, who's also very educated, very, um, very understanding of human mind, and also uh, very caring, um, to tell them, uh, please stop doing what you're doing and uh, join the people of Iran because we are all brothers and sisters and we all have been under huge, huge torture of mind and body for last 43 years. So um, the reason I'm asking this from you is because I know and we all know who you are and who your dad is when it comes for love of our country and love of our people and uh, the way that you want to help Iranian, especially at this very, very hard time. So I was thinking uh, it would be a very good idea if you think the same way uh, from you. And I'm sure your dad probably would agree to that. From you, who was born in America, but you still have love of Iran very deeply in your heart. And it's because of the way your family, especially your dad, brought you up. Um, so although you have probably never seen Iran, but you care very deeply for what's going on. And so I, I would want you with your, with, I mean yourself, uh, find a sentence or a word in Persian and English both to tell to these people, please, this regime is not wanted by Iranian people anymore for many, many good reasons, but don't get hurt and don't hurt your own brother and sister anymore. It is what's right to do is join the people. Well, thank you. Sorry, I'm no, I, pre I, I understand it. As you said, it's very emotional and, and you're being very heartfelt and I'm not sure I could say anything better than what you, you shared right there. Um, and I appreciate you I'm sharing sure. that. Because because you're, you're very popular. You're both you and your dad are extremely popular in Iran. Um, and uh, people know that you both are in love with your country and you both are very very caring loving deeply good people and they and i've heard oh i just remember that i've heard many of these people i'm talking about support passage military and even those high-end so-called people uh, in this uh, government they do listen to you your dad uh, both, uh, because some of them do speak and understand English, uh, and uh, the reason they listen is because, unfortunately, because they want to find out uh, how they can um, bring down, hmm. like they tried to do to your dad um, long, a few months ago, uh, so people don't value mm -hmm. your 
your thoughts, your mind, right. your your love, your care. Well, I I I appreciate what you're you know. I didn't mean to cut you off there. First of all, you said so many kind things things throughout about myself well thank you i mean i i I don't know if they're all true but i appreciate all of them and i when i said what you said was so good and i'm not sure i can say anything better was not to deflect that i i won't say something and as you said um it it would probably make sense for me to choose those words carefully and i didn't think of that part and i i I appreciate you bringing it to my attention um but I think what you're saying is very important, and I've not seen Iran, but what I thought when you were talking is that I also, my heart breaks for the people of Iran who they've never seen Iran, because they haven't been able to see what Iran can be and what it should be, which is uh, a free country for those people there to get to live their lives to the fullest. Exactly. And so I, I take what you are saying very seriously and um, would want to choose those words carefully, as I said. I think you know people join movements and join different groups for many reasons but one of the main ones is we want to feel part of something feel like we belong feel like we matter and feel like we're part of something bigger and i would hope that they recognize that they would be part of something much bigger if they are part of the people who just want freedom want the rights that every human deserves and nothing else and sadly what we see which is often the case is that the people in power they they don't love anything but power and themselves and they're just trying to keep that power because if you are governing a people your responsibility is to serve the people not serve yourself but we see that um, it's exactly the opposite there and so unfortunately that is the case but those are just some thoughts there that uh responding in what you were saying i'll think about it some more but clearly you. you are caring a lot what about what's going on i think what you're sharing is the feelings of so many Iranians around the world who are um, heartbroken, saddened, but want just the best for the people of Iran. And I do take that responsibility seriously from my end as well and try and understand what I can do. And what you shared made me consider some more aspects of that that I'll, I'll continue to reflect on and speak on. Thank you so much, Dr. Farid. Oh, you're incredible. You're very and, kind. And uh, you truly, both you and your dad, are a huge gift uh, to Iran and many countries who who listen and understand Persian and English, and you truly pride of Iran, both of you. Very kind Thank of you. you. Thank so you much. so much. Again, it's uh, anything we do is our responsibility, Thank and we are lucky to do it. But thank you so much for your kind words. Wishing the best for you, and of course, for the people of Iran. Thank you for your call. Thank you. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Okay, let's go to a commercial break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to another caller, Radio Hamra. You're on the air. Hi, Farid. Hi, thanks for calling. Thank you for your program and uh, for the opportunity and your time. Sure. Um, it's great that you've dedicated your show to to, to Iran and what's going on in Iran. Uh, it's it's fantastic, and honestly, I think it's it's what everyone's thinking about now. Yeah. You know, all, all Iranians, whether you're Iranian American or mm-hmm. just Iranian. Uh, that, that's all we're thinking about, I think. Yeah, I think it's yeah, hard to think about anything else. I mean, of course, I try to, other things will come up, but I know it's on everyone's mind, especially when people call in. I leave it to what people are calling in about, and today it's been all about Iran, and I'm not surprised, but thanks mm-hmm. for calling. So, so far, if you don't mind, I wanted to mention something, and but but because of the last caller, with all due respect, I want, I, want, <laughs> I want to point something out before I get into what I want to talk about. Uh, so, be, 
you know, I've been I've been online from day one, every night, uh, and you know, I'm online during the night when when it's it's happening in Iran. That's that's when I can talk to people. That's when I can get news. And um, they, they they need a lot of support. Besides us standing up, they they need a lot of support, equipment, logistics, mm-hmm. mostly computers, and and you know, people that that know how to work with data. And honestly, that's what I'm calling about. As of last night, there's a need for uh, Azure equipment. I'm providing some of it. Some other people are providing some. And I'll tell you why. Uh, a lot of people are escaping from the government. And we have pictures. Uh, Anonymous was able to break into the government uh, ministry. And we have a ton of pictures with information of who they are and what they do. And we're trying to build a website where people can go just you know, put in a picture and that, that by, by you know, putting your picture, you can identify that person and get information. Or if you have a name or, you know, whatever metadata you have, whatever data you have, this site would, would allow you to get more information. And a lot of people are helping. And the reason I'm calling is if there is anyone out there, we need data engineers and we need Azure resources. There's a ton of data that we need to, uh, you know, basically organize, index, and make it available so people can search when you know, when, when, when things change and, and, and they need information. Anyways, that, that's honestly why I've called. And I and so let me ask you, what, what can people, you know, listening or, I mean, what could they do in support of what you're talking about, people that might have either... If there are any data engineers listening or uh-huh. if there are any businesses that have Azure accounts, you know, if you're a business and you have an Azure account, this, you know, if you give us a server or, or bit storage, it won't cost you much. It will cost you in less than $100. And I'm sure Iranians are generous. Mm-hmm. I think if, if they know they can help, they will help. And, and I'm using your program to get that help. Okay. Honestly. So if you don't mind, and I hope you don't mind. No. Um, my Twitter handle is at Jaysman. So J-A-Y-C-E-M-A-N. If you have those resources, please reach out, and I'll put you in touch with people in Iran. I, 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 it's, it's got nothing to do with me. I'm not taking the resources from you. Mm-hmm. You will talk to people from Iran in Iran via Twitter, and they will tell you where to go. So I'm, okay. there's nothing going on here where I'm taking the So just to be clear, here, sure. No, it sounds like you just want to help, and however way you can. Absolutely. So people can. You said uh, send you a, a DM, a direct message on Twitter, J A Y C E M A N. Yes, please. Okay. At, yes, at J-Y-C-E-M-A-N. Right. So yeah. if you just send me a quick note, then, then I can take all that information and, and pr- you know, pr- provide you as a list of people who can ho- help, who've, who've got resources, and I'll, you know, make it a little organized. I'll, I'll probably get in touch and ask you how much you can offer, what can you offer, and I'll take that information and provide it on to, to, to people in Iran that need. And, and this is, by the way, we have anonymous ladies in Iran, Iranian anonymous ladies. I did not know that. They're actually hackers, Iranian ladies that are helping out, and it's just amazing. Wow. Uh, the, the one thing that I wanted to mention, we sh- I see that a lot online. Uh, I see this a lot online. There are people asking others to do something. I am really sorry. With all due respect, please don't ask others to do something. You, people can do as much as they can, and and and. Everybody wants to help, and everybody's feeling patriotic. Everybody's are you know is excited and wants to help. So we shouldn't be. I've seen people telling kids in Iran to go into the streets. That is not right. Mm-hmm. To be here and telling those kids to go risk their lives. 
it is absolutely not right. So we were all yeah. excited. We're looking for a revolution, but we shouldn't be asking the kids to, to go and, and put their lives at risk. It is just not right. I, mm-hmm. So I'm sorry. I wanted to mention that. Uh, no, I agree with you on that. You know, the first part, I, um, I hope people reach out to you. I uh, you know, could understand to a degree what you were sharing. The good news is the people that can help in the way you're talking about will understand what you were saying, and so they know if they can help. So I hope they'll reach out to you if they um, have those resources that can be helpful because, yeah, that's a big issue is the limited Internet access and trying to make sure we keep them yeah. as connected to one another and, of course, connected to the outside world as much as possible. And th- the second part, I think, yeah, we all have to do what we can do, but I, I'm very cautious about that. I think it's very easy to to wish for a revolution from far away, but when you're the one that has to either risk your life or your children's lives, it's not responsible to tell other people what they should be doing. So I'm with you on that, that um, we don't want to make that decision. Decision, but and I don't want to take more of your time. No, thank so, you for calling. With respect, I, last thing, I want to thank you. Thank you very much. Thank My you pleasure. for standing up. Thank you for speaking. Thank you for using your program to, to make us all, you know, a little more conscious, a, a, a little more... You, you, you've been great, and, and I'm proud of you. We love you. Thank I appreciate you. it. That was very kind. I thank you so much. That. And I appreciate what you're doing and trying to do some tangible things to help the people in Iran. That's incredible, and hope it's successful. And I hope people do reach out to you at, at J-A-Y-C-E-M-A-N on Twitter. If you, you can help out in the ways he mentioned, please contact him, and I'm sure he will direct those resources to the people of Iran, which is which is incredible. So thank you for calling in. Have a great day. Thank you. Yes, well, thank you. Thank Bye-bye. you. And, and so what's been great is just if we look at today's, just there's only been a few callers, but helping in, in their own ways, in different ways. And so I think that's what we all want to be doing when I was talking about our responsibility. Each individual's responsibility is different from the others in, in degree, but also the quality and the ways that we can help. We all have certain types of knowledge or we have art. I've just been blown away at the art that people are making related to what's going on and uh, movements and revolutions tend to breed some incredible art because it's tapping on such intense human emotions and experiences and so we've seen that you know every protest i've been to baroya is playing repeatedly and people even very sweetly you see that they've printed out the words so that they can sing along with the words and many people have memorized it because they've heard it so many times i've even just found myself humming it in my head uh, several times a day because I'm thinking about the song and what it means. And so we each have to look at ourselves and see what can I do to help. I, I think as the caller said, yes, sometimes we might encourage other people as well, but really we, want, we don't want to do that. We want to focus on ourselves. What can I do to help in this situation? And I actually think people, we tend to underestimate what we can do in general. As a therapist, that's something I experience on a daily basis with clients, seeing that we tend to think that we are smaller than we are. We tend to think we are less capable than we are. We tend to think we can't do this or I can't do that or I have no skill in this area. Um, but we all tend to underestimate ourselves. And sometimes what helps us tap into our own strength and our own gifts is when we realize it's for someone else or some collective good. And so I think with what is happening in Iran, it might encourage a lot of us to look within to see what can I do? What am I capable of doing? And I hope you will do that. And it doesn't mean you have to be an artist. Not all of us will have that type of capability, but there's something you can do. 
uh, caller earlier said, okay, I'm going to reach out individually to non-Iranian friends to inform them of what is going on. The gentleman that just called in has some knowledge, expertise, experience when it comes to technology, internet services, internet connectivity, those types of things that is critical, and they're trying to do their part in that way. And for all of us, you can just keep spreading, spreading the information, calling politicians, calling people to make sure that you are putting your voice out there in whatever ways that you can. And so often when we see tragedies, what people tend to think is, oh, you're going to see the worst of people, you know. Actually, in the book I talked about today, How to Do Nothing by Jenny O'Dell, she talked about that and books that have been written about tragedies. And we usually think, oh, if there's like some big fire or earthquake or flood, you're going to see people just do the worst things to each other in that chaos and that anarchy. But when you actually see when tragedy strikes, you see the best of humanity. I'm reminded of uh, Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers would say that his mom would tell him that anytime you see something bad going on, look for the people that are helping. There's always people helping. And so I think we do see that when um, horrific things happen, tragedies happen. We don't want them to happen, but you do see the best of people coming out. And I've seen that, that people just want to help. People want to do better, be better. Um, for the people of Iran to support this greater cause. And so I hope all of us will think about what we can do to do more. If I'm meeting my responsibility, it also means thinking about things I can do, not just doing the same things repeatedly, thinking of different ways that you can help, getting creative, thinking outside the box, because there is so much that we each can be doing and so much more that we each can be doing. And even with the callers today, it's inspiring me to do more. One of the callers asked me to make certain types of statements, and I'll definitely reflect on that and on what that would look like, if it makes sense or how it would work. But uh, as I speak to you, I'm speaking to myself. When I say we have to meet our responsibilities, when we have to be creative, I'm not saying uh, I'm, I'm the one who's achieved that, because first of all, I haven't. And second of all, it's an ongoing process. We're not done in helping every day. We can do more, and every day we can thinking about how we can do more. So I appreciate uh, the callers who have called in to see what they can do to encourage others to help and share what they've been doing. When you hear people talk, maybe something they say resonates, you can do it too, maybe it doesn't. But I hope we keep sharing with each other what we're doing to keep this energy going. Again, it's not going to be a sprint, it's going to be a marathon. Let's go into our last commercial break. Studio number 310-441-0555. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Um, you know, during the, the commercial break, I was talking to Amir here in the studio. Him and I are both big soccer fans. And um, there's an Iranian player, Mehdi Taremi. He plays for FC Porto in Portugal. And so right now, there are these Champions League games, which are the, the biggest the biggest tournament, the biggest club tournament in, in Europe. And I saw the, the clips very quickly, so I don't want to speak on it in too much extent, but I was just very struck that he scored two penalties, and he's wearing a black wristband on his hand. And uh, if you've watched soccer, you know that when people score goals, they're usually jumping and screaming and running around and doing these celebrations, but all he did was raise his fist, which is kind of like a, a symbol of resistance and support uh, with people who are... Um, in a type of resistance. So a uh, pretty cool moment. I'm actually looking forward and excited to go see. I hope 
the announcers or people knew um, what why he did or what was going on, but I'm sure that itself will create some media attention. Uh, but as I was talking about before, there's all of us have different ways. Most of us are not playing uh, international soccer uh, to, to have the impact that he can have or that type of awareness, but I thought that was pretty cool. Also, I know within uh, the Iranian team, there's a lot of controversy and things ahead of the World Cup, which is just over a month away. But anyway, just wanted to share that with you. It just happened within the last minutes. Looking forward to seeing more about what happened there in that impact. You know, in this last segment, I, I did want to talk about, um, obviously, as a psychologist, I consider the emotional impacts of things that are going on and what I've seen. And something like this, what's happening in Iran, first of all, just brings up a lot of emotions. And so myself included, it's been a very emotionally intense few weeks. And of course, each time I say something like that, I consider what the people of Iran are going through and only imagine what it's like for them. If for us and for myself, let's say it's emotionally intense, what they are experiencing is just unimaginable. Um, and I try to keep that perspective and keep that in mind. Um, what I've recognized for many people is that what's come up for them are their own emotions about what's going on with the regime or what they've experienced as well. And I've seen uh, one common emotion is rage and intense anger that many people have shared with me, uh, clients, but just personally as well, that a rage has been coming out that they didn't even know existed. They knew they were angry and didn't like the regime or what unhappy, but a rage has come out that they were not anticipating. And so that along with other emotions is very, um, understandable to be coming out. What often happens with our feelings when we think about them, you know, so as a psychologist talk about, oh, the feelings are still in there somewhere. Uh, and the way I think about that at times is that our brains as predicting machines, it means that when something happens or it gets cued to something, the everything related to that comes out from our emotions related to that, to even the way we perceive things. So if I tell you to look for, you know, um, a certain ball, you might see that ball even when it's not there because you're prepared to see it. So any context will bring up our thoughts and feelings and different uh, ways of perceiving the world related to that. And so with everything ha happening in Iran, it's bringing up people's feelings about what is was happening in Iran. And what I also think is different is because people see some hope that something can happen, that anger and that rage is coming out. If I show you some big dog that's so big and scary, you don't think you can do anything to it. Even if you're angry, you're going to be more scared and afraid, or you're more likely to hold that anger in. If you feel like you can do something to protect yourself or to express that anger, you likely uh, will respond. Or another analogy that I feel might fit is that with what's happened in Iran, many people have felt that they were in some cage or some jail. And you maybe pushed against the wall a bunch a few times and it didn't move. And so you just got fed up and then gave up. So that anger turned to kind of a hopelessness or a despair or even a distraction, trying not to even think that that wall can move. But what I think has happened lately is that people have pushed on that wall and it's tipped a bit or it's moved a bit, showing that it's not as unbreakable as it might have felt, that it's not something that can't be overcome. And just imagine that feeling. You've been in this jail for 43 years and you've pushed against the wall sometimes and nothing happens, or even you got hurt more when you pushed against the wall. We've seen in the past uprisings, people have just 
been sadly hurt and they didn't see the change they were hoping for. And so you got hurt even more, more than anything else. But one time you push against the wall and you see the door open a little bit and then close. And I think what we have experienced is that what's going on in Iran has led to this opening that has been shown, that there's cracks in the wall. It's not unbreakable as it might have seemed in the past or we thought it was. And so I think because of that, in a way we can also think through those cracks, also all of our feelings about what we've experienced related to the regime, whether we, um, I, I was born here, but have my own feelings, but other people of course have some intense experiences they had while they were in Iran, being there during the revolution, living there even if it was post-revolution and having to possibly flee, uh, whether they left illegally or illegally in, in, in discreet or indiscreet ways, but having to change their life completely, giving up their identities, giving up their careers, so many things that people have gone through. People of course have experienced things from the government and morality police. Any female I've talked to who even visited, but of course if they've lived there, has some stories about um, negative encounters with the quote-unquote morality police ranging from mild harassment to abuse in ways and even physically being harmed. And so people have so many emotions that are coming out about what is happening because it's opened up these cracks that we've put a lot of our feelings away, but now the context is there again that our anger, especially in other sadness and pain related to what's going on, is coming out. And so you might maybe have experienced this. I've seen it in so many people that they've been surprised by their own feelings, that they didn't know such intense emotion was within them. But it can make sense that it's there. Because again, when we don't have the space to process it, we tend to put our feelings away. But when that opportunity comes out or somehow it gets triggered in some way, uh, those feelings will come up and they might overwhelm you. So what we're seeing is people experiencing decades of emotions that are coming out or emotions that are decades old, maybe many years old, that are coming out because of what is going on now. So something also to be aware of in your own experience of this, that when you see what's happening there, being aware of what are my feelings that are coming up from my own experience, what's related to what's happening there. Sometimes your feelings that are coming up are related to what people are going through in a way that makes sense. I'm angry because I've been hurt in that way and so I feel for that person that I see suffering now and I can connect to their pain or their anger because of what I've been through. So I've seen a um, expression of emotions that most people might not have anticipated and something that I want people to be aware of because again, this is a marathon. It's not gonna happen quickly, even though we say this time is different. It does seem and feel different. It does seem like that's legitimate, but it still doesn't mean it's something that will quickly go away. As I mentioned before, talking to people who are more aware of these things, who understand these things better, that we went from what you can call an uprising to a movement. This is something more than just some uprising, more than what's happened in the past. And with the movement, we can move towards reform or revolution. It seems like reform is definitely off the table because the people don't want reform. They don't want this government anymore. And that leaves just one option. But from my brief research on these things, uh, revolutions or how a movement becomes a revolution, they don't happen instantly. They don't happen quickly. Uh, I'm looking forward to reading the book that is on revolutions to understand them better from social scientists who study 
these factors that go into making revolutions happen or not. But as I mentioned, the brief studies I've done so far show that it does take a long time. And so sometimes when we hear even that word revolution sounds like a sudden change, that there was a revolution in thinking or uh, even the Copernican revolution, or even that's where the term comes from of like the revolution of planets, that was a revolutionary idea. And so when we think of revolution, it sometimes comes about in this like all of a sudden type of a thing instantly. The French Revolution, there was Bastille Day, and I don't know enough about the history, and all of a sudden everything changed. But we see that things were percolating and building up for a long time, and even that quote-unquote sudden change was not so sudden and took a long time. And so we do have to be ready for this long process that is ahead of us, and that's why I'm feeling very uh, passionate about trying to encourage all of us to maintain our motivation, our energy, our consistency, our support, because it's going to wane. You're going to have feelings of compassion fatigue or this set of feelings that come in of doubt or what's the point or is it going to even make a difference? Isn't this just the same as every other time? Those feelings come in once we start to get tired because your body, your brain is trying to just let you give up because that feels easier in the moment. And I don't want us to get to those points because I know we could be susceptible to that and it could be that we stop giving our support or enough of our support and it doesn't continue or this, the fight does not continue the way that it can. So please be mindful of these things as they're coming up. Um, and as you're thinking of what you can do, I hope you do things like attend protests. I, I've seen people at the protests every week, every weekend, and I think they're going to be happening every weekend. Uh, Amir here in the studio is telling me about one here in Orange County that'll be, or the Valley, that's driving to the federal building, I believe, on Sunday. Please don't quote me on those details. Keep looking them up. But there's almost definitely something happening around your area, so look them up. You know, these things are, as I was talking about, the structure that always isn't going to be there. There isn't that type of structure where these events are so planned out in advance and so planned out with so many people that we get these official types of notifications or um, in invitations or, you know, even event pages. They're usually some kind of flyer that someone made maybe last minute and they, they shared it with one another. So keep a lookout for those things, share those things with one another, but please show up, show up for them. Um, you know, the, the internet access is limited in Iran, but every time I've posted something, and, and I was sharing this with my father last night because it's almost, it, it's humbling, almost makes you feel guilty. I'll get messages from Iran saying, thank you for being our voice, or thank you for posting this, or thank you for your support. And it just feels like what you're doing is so small and feels like so limited compared to what they go through that that's that's the humbling piece um but the fact that they're sending those messages shows that it does matter to them that they do see these things and so if they see a protest and they see it's five thousand of us rather than one thousand or one hundred it has an impact of feeling that solidarity of feeling that sense that people are with us because whatever they decide to do and go through they're going to need to keep their motivation going as well and so they can use that that energy from us in whatever ways that we can. So I really encourage you and urge you that when you look at your responsibility of what you can do, lots of times it's creative, it takes lots of effort and those things and do those things. But a lot of the things that we have to doing is things like just showing up, 
just reposting something online, but really just like showing up to the protest. You go there, don't worry if you don't know the chants or you don't want to say all the chants or whatever it might be, but just show up to the protests and be there with the people, be there in support. It might seem like, you know, I've heard this a lot in protests in the past. Oh, there's the Women's March. There's this. Did it change anything? And rarely does especially one protest make a change, but it does create a type of social environment that is showing people that this is something important. Yes, cars drive by and they see us, you know, in the streets with our signs and our flags and they can't even hear what we're chanting and they don't know. But if they see you there every weekend, they can't ignore it. So we want to make sure that this story cannot be ignored. And the only way we can do that is if we each are doing our part to keep things going, to keep the energy going and to keep it in the public eye. Tell people, talk to people. The woman called says she'll just tell people she meets on the street, make it part of the conversation. But just make sure you do whatever it is that is your part to do that. Even for me, something I thought was, you know what, I want to understand social movements and revolutions better. So I, you know, heard about an article and then looked up that author and then I found a book and then now I'm going to read it uh, this week and talk about it next week on the show. So I thought that might be good. I will learn some things about understanding social movements and revolutions better. I'll try to share that with my audience. Hopefully that can inform or impact some people as well. And it's not that I think it's going to have some huge impact, but it was something that I felt was um, aligned with me and the things I do, reading books, talking about them on my show. You know, even I did think about that when I post the, the books these last few weeks and can feel you know, like the message can be off, especially this one, How to Do Nothing, had a very um, off message when it's all about doing something right now. But I felt that that's something I can do. So I just say that to point out that we might not even think of the ways that we can do something, but we want to do whatever we can. I'm trying to inform myself so I can be more informed about what's going on. So that's another thing we can do. Keep learning, keep understanding. The more we understand about what's happened in Iran, what happened uh, in the past can help us understand, but also what happens in these movements can help us. It's really our responsibility. And for me, as I've seen with a lot of people, there's a sense of feeling even more alive in the sense that we feel like we're part of something. It keeps us motivated. And so I hope we will keep that energy going that we think of we're part of something bigger. Just like parents at times will talk about how they're amazed that, of course, it's still tiring and stressful and all those things, but they're capable of doing things they didn't think they were. It's not because they're superhuman. It's that this child has made them recognize there's something bigger than themselves that's worth fighting for or putting energy towards. So even if they are tired or exhausted, that sense of responsibility makes it so they can't ignore those cries. And so similarly, our brothers and sisters in Iran are yelling and screaming and crying out for help and support. And so we have to make sure we don't forget that. It's very easy for us to want to turn away or to try to ignore it or to go back to those things of doubting what we do having any impact. But I urge all of us, this includes me, to keep our motivation up, to keep the conversation going and to keep ourselves uh, as, as supportive as possible to, to the people of Iran. And, you know, on Monday's show, uh, lately I changed recently my the ending of my show to to be kind and take risks. And I actually do like that as a type of slowing, slogan or saying. But on Monday night, I'll, I ended the show as the way I will now. And I do think going back to the sense of unity, when I hear the different messages of what's going on, the different chants, I think Zan Zendegi Azadi, woman, life, freedom, is something that 
everyone can get behind and everyone agrees with and everyone can stand behind it to me that is the, uh, the slogan of this revolution what i think represents so much at the core of what this is in such a beautiful simplified way and so i hope we can stand together towards this common goal um, i hope we can stand together with the people of iran and stand together as part of the iranians outside of iran doing our part to help them so that brings us to the end of today's show as always a big thank you to amir here in the studio You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Farid Lakwi, Zan Zendegi Azadi. <laughs>